Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. It's fight week. It's our second show of the week. Our final time to remind you about the watch along this Saturday for UFC 285, the return of John Jones. He and Cyril Gon in the main event, along with Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso in the co-main event. They will headline that card. It's two title fights, a vacant title being filled. Shevchenko going for a title defense. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Saturday. Goes and I will be doing our watch-along from home. No offense to Sticky Paws, but they couldn't deliver this time, so we're back to our home roots. And that's when the prelims start. Of course, we got the main card as well. All right, wanted to get that out of the way. More reminders later on in the show. Today we'll discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, along with kind of everything that's taking place with UFC 285, which is the... uh, Pre-fight press conferences. Well, not necessarily the press conferences, the uh, media days. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk to Alan, the talent belcher, BKFC heavyweight champion. He just defeated Arnold Adam, Adam excuse me, this past Saturday. All right, folks, we'll be back to start the show. All right, go. So embedded, you know, we love it. I am a fan. And but through the magic of editing, you know, you're never really going to see anything, I guess, that makes you uh, not get excited, not not get excited for what's happening. You know, it's it's always usually everyone on their best behavior saying and doing positive things. And so. All right, cool. But the media days are a little bit different because you know, they don't know what questions are going to be thrown their way. And so I'm anxious to see how they're going to answer them, what they're going to say, who seems to be kind of like prepared and focused. You know what I mean? Like, do, do, are you a fan of media day? I like media day. I think it's the most honest uh, reactions you're going to get out of people. Yeah. So John Jones had his today. And for the most part, he kind of shoved a lot of John Jones BS down our throats. I call it that because I've given this guy many chances. We're beyond second and third chances. It's the stuff we want to hear. I've changed a Bible verse, respect, this, that, or whatever. But then he implodes at some point. It may not ha- happen this week. It may not even happen this month. I don't know. But it's like until I see about two years of no mess ups. I don't even like, I don't take too much interest in what he has to say. I was, I was reading him and here's the part that I I think goes, I probably wouldn't be picking on John Jones. And that's Mike Bond from MMA junkie did bring up the incident from when he got inducted into the hall of fame, his fight with uh, Alexander Gustafson and he just said, hey, would you care to comment? Because we really haven't heard from you. We don't hear much from John Jones, but we really haven't heard from you about this topic. Now would be a good chance maybe to uh, clear up anything that's ever been said about you or whatever. Goes how he, he said no comment, right? And I don't understand how he doesn't 
think that this won't continue to come up at some point. Like, why not address it and then we can all move on? It's weird because if you're going to say no comment, you're almost alluding to the the fact that you did nothing wrong in a way, right? Because regardless of of what uh, what you think and what actually happened, there are some things that are clear as day, you know, on, on videotape that were just wrong. And I think you can just own up and say, I was wrong. That was the past. No, you guys have heard this from me before, but, um, you know, right now I'm focused on my fight. And that's it, man. Mm-hmm. But no comment is like, it almost makes it sound like, why are you even asking me this? This is a silly question. Yeah. And again, man, I, I want to be impressed by this guy. I, everything he does in the cage is very impressive. No, no doubt about it. But he's going to be involved in three different cha- talks this weekend. For one, is he the baddest man on the planet if he beats Cyril Gon? Especially if he beats Cyril Gon worse than Francis Ngannou did. Maybe he didn't take the, the title from Ngannou, but that's the way people connect dots. You know, that's what people will argue in a barbershop. Um, did you see what he did to Cyril Gone? You know, Francis and Gone who struggled, whatever. So, baddest man on the planet, pound for pound, number one, and go. Like, literally, this is a big, big week for him. And it's not the most important thing, and I'm not hung up on it, but I got to say I was a little disappointed that he didn't at least have something to say. Now, I'm not talking about, like, you when you accept a speech and you unfold the paper and you have something written out. That seems pretty fake, too. Um, you know, when we see that online, you can tell, well, a PR person wrote that for them, and they just, and he copy pasted and posted on his behalf, and and that's that. Um, but I, I just think that by addressing it, it shows that it means something to him for people to understand that he really is a changed man. Now, he can say, I don't care what other people think. I just know about me. Okay. But you know what, man? You got a family, and you've embarrassed them, your kids, your fiance, or I'll just say significant other. I don't know what the young lady is to him. And then his 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 brothers, you know. Um, I, I don't know. This is something that probably should have been done a long time ago, but, but knowing that you're going to face the public uh, – I just think he, there there could have been something he could have said, very brief, and then we all move on. Well, I'm curious to to find out. Maybe um, maybe it's a strategy, you know, like maybe it's a strategy that has to do with his mental state. You know, it could be that he could be working with a sports psychologist or something that said, "Look, I don't want any of these thoughts blending into what we gotta do when you fight." I don't know. It just it just seemed odd to me. No comment to me is just like it's not enough. I mean, even even a standard uh just like you said, cookie cutter comment, at least it, it lets you know where you stand. No comment is, is just silly to me. What took place last year was unfortunate, and I apologize to everybody that, that I hurt. And luckily me and my family are in a strong place right now. You know, something like like that, um, and 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 then that's it. I, there, I don't think there's too much, you know. If the next person were to follow up on it, I think you can say, you know, I said what I said to the last reporter, and now I just want to talk about the fight, and that's it, you know. Um, but it, it was more like he was kind of caught off guard by it. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, uh, are you not on the same wavelength as some of us? Some of you know the others that that occupy this planet with you, like I don't know. He he did some nice things on embedded, giving props to longtime training partners, conversation he had with an older lady on the plane, things like that, you know, uh that, that you just think, okay, is this finally the the guy that we've always wanted to represent our sport, especially because he's such a high profile athlete and, and he's such a um, dude, he's kind of like our Michael Jordan, you know. What's the yeah. worst thing we could say about Michael Jordan? He had a gambling problem. He loved his McDonald's. Um, talked some trash. I, I'm not even sure if he went out on his lady or or anything like that. But I mean, for the most part, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, and 
they've they've pretty much you know been solid guys and so this is kind of like one of the representatives of our sport and uh i expect more from them is what i'm trying to say can't you like i mean charles barkley was a guy that um very respected in basketball but had kind of like his knucklehead moments you know what i mean but he would always just kind of clarify it and even if his clarification was i'm just an asshole he do, he would always address it mm-hmm. and that, that's what i don't like about the situation is not addressing it yeah me too all right well the uh significance of this fight is if he becomes the champ you know the the UFC's heavyweight division is vacant, and so if he becomes the champ, there's a lot of people that are going to say, "Well, but you didn't beat Francis Ngannou, and you know whatever." Um, I know that we've talked about goat and pound for pound or whatever. Recently, you had a change of mind on you know the stuff going on with picograms or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if you've had a change of mind if John Jones wins in dominant fashion on Saturday, is he uh, the baddest man on the planet? Pound no. for pound number one as well. Forget about GOAT. That's that whole career stuff. His career really isn't done. You know, maybe he'll overtake GSP. I don't know. We've talked about that one. I'm talking about just baddest man on the planet at this moment. There's Tyson no, Fury. There's Francis Ngannou. Uh, Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou still. Yeah. Um, if he gets maybe a couple wins, Mm-hmm. Then I I could say that yeah, but uh, but I would say it's still Francis Ngannou. He needs Ngannou to have left and stayed away, and then it looks like Ngannou didn't want none. You know what I mean? Right. Right now it just looked like the UFC couldn't keep their athlete happy, and so that athlete had to make a decision. But yeah, I I agree. And then as far as pound for pound, I've been thinking about this one all day as well. You know, with Volkanovski up there and. Uh, yeah, I know some have pushed for Makachev because he beat Volkanovski. I'm on Team Volkanovski right now, but man, John Jones coming back to win a second title—that's <laughs> pretty impressive. Except in the last three years, that would have been his only his only win, you know. Whereas Volkanovski's been a really, really busy champion. I think a lot will have to do with how impressive he is against Cyril Gon. Now that said, goes you did you see the video shoot, the photo shoot? And him without his attire, he's not statuesque. Like, okay, he's bigger, stronger, more filled out. But you know, did he did he impress you? I think he just kind of okay. looked looked the way I thought he would look. I thought he was going to look more like an Adonis. Thought so. Hmm. Hmm. I thought he's going to look more impressive. I, I would never say he had a belly because the first thing people are going to say is, have you looked at yours? <laughs> I got a belly. No, but no, he looked like he had, um, like, like, have you ever seen when they catch fighters in when, when they do commercials and uh, Modelo, I'm not going to name any names, but a lot of fighters will do commercials and they just look a lot softer because they caught them after their fight a few months when they've been partying and they're 30 pounds over what they weigh in. And so, you know, we're so used to seeing them pose and then maybe rehydrating and gaining 10 or 15 pounds, but they're in excellent shape and they're all cut up and all that. And sometimes, you know, they they, they don't look that way, I guess, in the in the off season. Um, that to me is what John Jones looked like. I, I, I was really expecting more. Now, look, John Jones has an 84 and a half inch reach. He's 6'4". Cyril Gaon is 6'4", with a 208, sorry, with an 81 inch reach. So believe it or not, John Jones still has three and a half inches they're about the same height, but Tamigos, Cyril Gon looks thicker, like, um, like, uh, like a proper heavyweight. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And 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 John Jones, when he reached the rehydrate after making two hundred five, you know, he'd be like maybe two twenty five or something like that. He he really really wouldn't be that filled out. So just because you lifted and you you did it over three years, okay, you did it at the cost of missing three years, and. He had, you know, he's been a partier. It hasn't been the cleanest three years. You know, new coaches, um, new gym. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm gonna stick with my Cyril Gone pick. That's what I turned in at Junkie Staff Picks. 
It's what I've been saying up until now. I kind of wanted to see something, maybe these first few days from Jones, that just convinced me, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got this all wrong. But, you know, I, I can't help but think of some of them close calls he had in the last few years. Diago Santos, Dominic Reyes. Um, I don't know, man. I think Cyril Gone gets him. I think it's going to be Cyril Gone by decision. And um, I don't think it'll be the most entertaining fight. I think it'll be one of those where John Jones goes, huh, guess there's more to heavyweight than I thought. And uh, we'll maybe go back and give it another try. But there are a lot of factors, man. Three-year layoff, new camp, right? Like, you're not going to hear Greg Jackson's voice. You know, that, that's that got to be different and weird for you. Uh, new body. And Winkle John. Right? Yeah, and Winkle John. Is he going to be uh, as fast? You know, as he once was, I don't know. It just seems like too much when you add in the three-year layoff to top it all off and just uh, returning to the scene of the crime, no pun intended, but being back in Vegas, being in front of cameras, it just seems like a lot for one person to handle. Now, if he comes in and just completely handles the rail gone, it's not going to be shocking. Um, he's a He's a talented fighter. He's very capable of doing that, but I just feel like Getting older and all the things that we just laid out, that's a lot to overcome, man. So I feel okay with a, a surreal gone pick here. He's favored too. I, I um he I will give him this. He's always in great condition. He's a he's probably the most the best championship rounds fighter I've ever seen. I mean, that guy just dig digs deep in rounds four and five. So I will call him cerebral inside of the octagon. Great cardio. Great chin, but this is another level of getting buzzed. John Jones has been rocked before, but I'm telling you, man, if you get rocked by one of these guys and then they're coming in to follow up, oof, I don't know if you can take a multitude of their punches. That's also a harder man to take down and keep down. Um, he's not fighting kind of like a beer belly type heavyweight, you know, that's like it's more of a tough guy. I mean, this seems like a proper six foot four, all of you know, whatever he weighs, 255, heavyweight. I mean, not an ounce of fat. Hopefully not that lazy surreal gun that, that we that we keep hearing about. Look good against Tai Tuivas. I mean, I don't know, man. I I I I the more I think about it, I think Jones is gonna get destroyed. Think so? I it's gonna come down yeah. to round one for me. I feel like going out on a limb this time. I'm not gonna go down if this happens, if that happens, I'm just telling you what I think. I think Cyril Gon's gonna destroy him. Round one is the big one. If John can't get him down, he's in a lot of trouble for the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about John Jones, and then we'll get to our guest. John Jones is saying that USADA, because USADA changed their threshold when it comes to these picograms, um, they should pretty much not not. I don't think he wants to rewrite history. He he wants his, um, you know how his win was overturned with no contest and he kind of had to lose the belt. Uh, he wants uh -huh. that reversed. So he never took a loss. <clears throat> he took a no contest. I think what John should be chasing in this instance is, hey, guys, just don't call me a cheater. You know, maybe back then I was over by that grain of salt in a swimming pool, but now they're saying that that's no longer. So just don't label me that. But at the same time, you know, wh what are we going to do? There's there's really not going to be another – I don't know that they're going to add a ruby to, to his belt. It, they can't hand on the belt back. They can't rewrite the history. Um, I think that's the. I think that's what he should be going after is like, hey, just don't let me in that group of, of people that are known as cheaters. Now, this has nothing to do with when uh, there, was, there was a testing that I think he, he says he was high or something like that, and he hid under a – he admitted it. He hit under an octagon at, at the Jackson Wing Gym. You know, I, I don't know if he wants to erase that one, too. <laughs> Some say he was hiding coke. He said, no, nah, man, I was just high. But anyway, what, what are your thoughts on what John Jones has been saying lately? Well, I thought it could be coke. But then when John said, no, it's not, I had to believe him because John never lies. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, look at Nick Diaz, right? Nick Diaz went through something real similar where 
he had a fight uh was it gomi or something one of those mm-hmm. uh it just didn't get overturned you know things are different now i think yeah i think you get the nail on the head like you just gotta maybe tell people hey don't don't label me this but as far as going back and, and changing the record books and all that for what i think he wants it to be ruled a ko victory instead of a no contest so because we obviously know we can't take the belt and move the belt and this and that I, I i don't know i just think like it was a rule then and that's that and you know i can be cute here and come up with a bunch of different analogies and i'll just keep it simple um you know it used to be on the freeways goes if you're not if i'm not mistaken you could only go 55 was the limit and then they bumped it to 65 and now i think 70 and like i mean if i if it was 55 and they gave me a ticket for going 65 but now at 70 i can't can't take that away you know i i i received the ticket paid the ticket it was on my record and at some point i guess it falls off but i i can't rewrite that you know what i mean it, it just it happened yeah people that didn't get a ticket for going over 55 are going to tell you that's why i don't i don't go anywhere near 55 because i didn't want a ticket so i mean it's just whatever it is at that time yeah I, and i and i can't go around telling people i've never been uh i've never gotten a car ticket I have gotten a car ticket, regardless of what rules may have changed. Same thing with the marijuana. It's legal now. Well, whoever got popped for it back then, that was just the rule or whatever. So to switch the record to a victory instead of a no contest, I don't I don't know what he's going to get out of it because with it doesn't come the title defense, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say about this, but I just think it's a little ridiculous. I remember years ago, I think Dana had even said he wanted to reverse the um, – Remember the downward elbow on yeah. Matt Hamill? I think Joe Rogan was even in support of that. And I've rewatched that, man, a lot of times. It was a 12-6. I mean, it's as, like, horizontal as it gets. Like, it wasn't an 11-5. <laughs> I guess they go by the clock, right? That's why we call it a 12-6. Right. So it wasn't an 11-5. Oh, shit, I just banged my elbow. And it wasn't a 1-7. <laughs> it was it was a 12-6, you know, and Matt Hamill kind of went, what the fuck? Like that one hurt. Like and, and Mazagati just said, um, that's illegal. Like, you know, and and it sucks. I, I always I always at least give him the benefit of saying it's not a proper loss. You know, he, he kicked Matt Hamill's butt that night, but you, you just can't reverse it. It's part of history. Right. And I think a lot of people when, when we're going over John Jones's history. Uh, we may not say he's undefeated, but we always talk about that loss and how it just kind of like Fedor's loss to TK. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of one of those. It's just there, right? Yeah. All right. So we're going to come back with Alan Belcher, the newly crowned BKFC champion. He defeated Arnold Adams, Adam, excuse me, this past weekend. He's now 4 0 in BKFC, and his last three have been uh, TKO stoppages. I mean, very, very impressive run for the talent the former ufc middleweight who i believe was like nine and six he had like 15 fights so he had a nice run and we hadn't heard from him from years and then all of a sudden he resurfaces the last few years throwing hands What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of from combat sports. Alan Belcher joins us on today's show. He is the current BKFC heavyweight champion. And of course, you all got to know him through our show when we covered him as a mixed martial artist in the UFC's middleweight division. Welcome back, Alan. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Appreciate you guys. Congratulations on your recent win. We'll get to that in a second, but we're very, very happy for you. You know, as you research these interviews, you go back and kind of try and put the pieces together because, as you know, there's a lot of promotions. There's a lot of fighters. Everyone's jumping around everywhere. It's it's really hard to keep track. And I'm like, 38 years old. You know, I was expecting to see 40-something. And <laughs> then you start putting the math together. You left MMA at 29. Mm-hmm. Uh and now you've come back and boxed, and now you're a bare knuckle fighting championship uh, champion. That's that's simply amazing, honestly, because it's such a long time in between, uh, you know, 
when you were done with MMA. And I remember yeah. the, the eye injury. And I also remember you telling us in an interview, you would lay down flat, like on a massage table with all the lights out after a surgery you had had because yeah. it was just too much. So it all started coming back to me, you know. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll go with BKFC. That, that's what just happened. Congratulations. Yeah. How are you feeling? Thanks. Is this a, a big redemption to the decision you made 10 years ago? Um, yeah, it really is, man. Um, so, yeah, leaving, leaving the sport, uh, um, you know, kind of didn't sit right with me. It, you know, so after thinking about it for several years, uh, you know, age 36, 37, I, I got to thinking like, well, you know, now I think would be the time if I'm going to make this decision, you know, let's do it. So <clears throat> I decided to, to fully go for it. And the last, you know, the year building up to my first fight and then the last two years of fighting and, you know, over the last the course of the last two years fighting nine times my intensity levels my 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 level of commitment has in, increased and increased to a point to where um, going into this championship fight was like man this is this is not only two years in the making this is 19 years as a professional fighter in the making this is this is um, right at 30 years of practicing martial arts since my first day walking into a dojo at eight years old <clears throat> practicing karate and uh, deciding that I wanted to be a, a, a fighter and a martial artist and professional, you know, you know, that that's what I wanted to do full time. I knew that as a kid. So all that building up to it, I, I just uh, got to a point where I'm like, you know, this is, this is something you got to fully, fully go for lean, lean into and take that leap into greatness, not just try hard, but what is your potential? And, um, you know, going into this fight, I knew that it could be, it could be a, a war. It could be a, a dramatic fight. And it, it turned out to, to kind of be both of those, you know? I, I, so I got everything that I really, I wished for out of it. And, um, this was the first, um, kind of stage in this, in my comeback is like, you know, <clears throat> just keep boxing for practice, building up your boxing record. I broke into the top 100 in professional boxers in the world. Um, I became the number one ranked guy in, in BKFC. And the, and the goal from the beginning was whoever has the belt, by the time I get it in, in the fourth fight on this contract, I want to be fighting for the belt. And then once I get the bare knuckle belt, then um, that's going to open up doors and, and kind of, you know, be like my, you know, uh, an opportunity to do some really big things in the sport. So here we are and I got the belt and it's, um, it's a, it's a dream come true, man. It's a lifetime, lifetime goal. This is my first world championship. This is my first big pressure um, event, which I believe it's the, it's the illusion of all the pressure and all the, the buildup and the, the title, you know, and everything that, that, that makes it such a, a, um, you know, a, a kind of challenge, you know, so it's been fun, man. So I'm just looking forward to going forward. Well, way to not give up on yourself. It's truly an amazing story to leave one sport and then 10 years later reach the pinnacle of another sport, especially after serious injuries. And then there's so much irony, you know, the eye poke against Bisping, against the guy who wound up winning a title. Yeah. And, and it cost him an eye as well, the, those last few fights, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, you deciding to to come back. I read some stories. You got bigger. You definitely weren't a middleweight after you retired, you know, and, and you were able to shake all that off. All that in what may have been the prime of your career. Think about it. 28, 29 when you leave MMA. Now you're matching the, the mental game. You're, you're a smart MMA fighter. And you got the physical right. tools as you get into your, your early 30s, which is kind of like an athlete's prime. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you decide, no, that's, that's when I'm not going to be competing. And you come back yeah. in your upper thirties, and you win the championship again. I'm boggled by all this. It's yeah. amazing, but I'm I'm stoked. I mean, this is a great, inspiring story for a lot Thank of you. athletes who are just like what you told us at the beginning. Man, if I'm gonna do something, I got to do it now. And and this is a strong message to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, it really is, man. Yeah, it's been a fun ride, man. So it's just uh, it's the I'm looking forward to what's what's next. You know, this is. Um, 
it's been no walk in the park turn, uh, you know, reinventing myself as a, as a boxer and a knockout artist. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I don't plan on not knocking out any opponent that I have in the future. I, I'm, I'm sticking to that plan. That's something that I've had kind of since the, the beginning was like, you know, how you go into these fights, get them over with as soon as there's an opening, take as little damage as possible and, and, and become a knockout artist. And also it's, a, it's a fight game too. It's a business. And, um, um, there, there, there's just as much value in, um, in creating a story and creating a spectacle as there is and who is actually the best, you know? So I'm interested in being the best, but I, I, I do understand that the opportunity is only going to be there if um if i have some type of special interest in myself you know and so you know there's the whole the whole story of of uh taking off and then coming back um against the odds and you know uh there's been a lot of people that believe in me but also there's a lot of people that haven't believed in me too so you know i've i've used that as fuel and um you know so now being heavyweight champion of the world in bare knuckle I really, I really feel like there's going to be some, some big names, some big money paydays of um, hopefully someone in boxing or MMA taking off the gloves and coming in and, and challenging me for my belt. You know, uh, Francis Ngannou or, uh, you know, whoever, you know, there's a couple guys like Usyk and uh, Andy Ruiz, um, Tyson Fury. You know this type of thing. That's this. These are the type of big name fights that I'm, that I would like to uh, see happen in the. You know, the, by the end of 2023, 2024. I got a feeling there's some headed your way, and I don't want to harp on it, but just the last one for me on on this topic, and then I know Goes has a few for you. Um, you know that is a serious injury that you had that you that forced you to retire from MMA. How often do you look after yourself? Is it after every fight, after uh, every week, you know, your your eye injuries? Is, and is it anything that was ever mental in regards to it? Uh, I recall, like, for example, yeah. Josh Koscheck, every time he even got close, it would, it would mess with him in the middle of a fight, you know. So I, I knew a lot of it could be just mental as well as physical. Yeah. So can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a lot mental. Now, now physically, I mean, I feel like it took me – it took me several years to just get a real, to get a real kind of like grasp on my, my eyesight and my peripheral vision and everything that something wasn't right for a few years. So I know um, that what I was feeling at the time was, was right. I really didn't need to be fighting at the time. Um, but just like my doctor that did the surgery told me that it was just an adjustment of my brain to, you know, so um, I really haven't had any, haven't had any physical issues. I definitely, you know, going into a fight, you, you have to do a lot of, you know, you have to do the dilated eye exam, which is looking at the retina. So um, we follow every safety uh, precaution and then some, you know, I'm not doing this recklessly at all, you know, um, and uh, my skill set, like I work, you know, triple time in the gym and um, because I want to be, skillful and try to avoid some damage of course i have a black eye and a, you know cut on my eye right now talking to you guys but you know i was also just in a you know a fight with the um you know for a heavyweight world title <clears throat> so to be expected but um yeah a lot of it was mental man i was at a i was at a, a point in my career where i was i was cutting tremendous amounts of weight weighing 220 pounds cut down to 185 and uh, the studies, research, and everything shows now that the effects on your hormones, the effects on your health and your, your mental health and your brain um, and all those types of things. So um, I was just in a place where I wanted to go to the top as fast as I could. And um, with the eye injuries and the just kind of like the ups and the downs and everything, mentally, I wasn't in a good spot. And unfortunately, I, I couldn't fix the problem at the time. So I really, um, you know, as I pursued other ventures in, in, in business and, and um, you know, just everything that I was doing outside of it, just working on myself and working on my family, 
um, I could, I started to um, um, improve myself in any way that I could, you know, and I learned, I learned a lot about myself, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people in their 20s understand who they are, but then there's a lot that, that don't understand that later, you know, so I had to kind of, you know, find myself, if you will, and, um, you know, and it all just kind of, just kind of worked out like a, like a beautiful movie, you know, and, um, this, this, uh, um, mission that I've been on the last couple of years has just been awesome self-discovery and, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Alan, you've been able to accomplish some great things in mixed martial arts, even boxing, but winning a world title, where does that rank for you in your life and your accomplishments? Um, well, it's definitely a it's definitely a thing that's been that's on my list, you know. When I look back, look at my career, um, trying to go for a UFC title, I was close a, a couple times to getting a shot at it. Um, but you know, that's just one thing that you just kind of think. And um, and being a being a very you know serious athlete that is very you know very focused on what they're doing, the title is is you know that's you know, we all dream of like, that's, you have to believe that that's your, that's your title, that's your belt that you're going after. So not, not achieving that is something that you can definitely understand and comprehend and get over. But um, if there's a little, there's a little bit inside of you in your heart that, that still has some left and you can physically do it, there's, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of always use that as like a marker, you know? So I, I definitely wanted to win a world championship. That's always been something, uh, a big goal for me. So, um, yeah, man, I feel like that's, it's, it's just something that, that to achieve it is, is almost like now um, I've ascended to another, another level. I'm a new person. I'm a new, new level of confidence. And, um, you know, it, it's, does it, it definitely doesn't feel like it was, it wasn't earned or it's not legitimate or anything. I really feel like I worked hard and now I'm the best heavyweight bare knuckle fighter in the world. So we've been trying to rack our brains as to who could be next. Cause there's a lot of good names and there's names outside of BKFC that could possibly come in. Um, do okay. you feel like, do you, do you feel like you, you have a feeling who it could be next? And do you also feel like you're probably just going to get to them all at some point? Um, yeah, I think that's the, <clears throat> that's the plan is to clean out, clean out the division and just continue to beat, you know, the guys that are, that are in there. Um, there's some, there's some good competition. There's, there's Mick Terrell and there's Ben Rothwell. I feel like those are a top couple of guys. Um, uh, you know, the heavyweight division hasn't been like super busy. So there's not anyone that's on a really hot, you know, hot streak against really top competition. Um, um, I'm just excited to kind of see, see who it is. My, my, my big, um, like prediction, I think is going to be, there's going to be outside, outside names come in. That's going to shed even more light on, on the bare knuckle sport and, um, just give more impact and more notoriety to, to what we're doing over there. You did bring up a name that got me thinking. It was Francis Ngannou. And whenever a fighter brings up a name, I kind of play the fight out in my head right away. So I think Francis Ngannou, big, heavy hands. But you did something years ago. You kind of tricked us, and I'll tell you why. You were fighting Husamar Palharis, and we were all thinking, all right, how's this fight going to go? And you told everyone, screw this. I'm going to the ground with him, and I'm going to attack his legs. A guy like Francis Ngannou, it doesn't matter that he's a heavy hitter. I think you're going to be right in his face throwing bombs as well. Am I close here? Or have you already played that out in your head, how that fight would go? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of, of not getting hit. So I, I, you know, in all nine of my comeback fights, um, I've only I've only been legitimately rocked maybe once or twice where I felt like it was it had kind of affected my brain, like any type of like a, like a concussion, I guess you could say, because that's basically what's happening whenever you whenever you drop someone, you knock them out, you're giving them a concussion, you're bouncing their brain off their skull. So, um, 
especially bare knuckle fighting, it's it's a matter of not getting your brain bounced off your skull and bouncing the other guy's brain off his skull. That's really all. To me, I'm not trying to win by a cut. I'm not trying to win by a decision. That's not how you play this game. Um, you have, like, I'm strong. I'm not as big as Francis Ngannou, but I have tendon strength. I'm, I've worked on my punches. You know, I've been, I've been punching, punching things, you know, it, since I was a kid. So I have a nice punch. It's plenty, it's plenty enough, I promise you, to knock out Francis Ngannou. And, and someone that sees a big person with big hands, with big swinging and everything, they think, wow, how can you, you know, how can you beat someone like that? And I promise you, it is, it is not a problem to knock someone out of that size. It's just they do not have any special power in their, in their head. If you hit them on the chin, their, chin, their jaw is either going to break or their, their chin is going to twist and they're going to go down. <clears throat> Can Francis Ngannou hit me solid? I haven't been hit in the chin in any of my fights. So, I mean, we're going on, you know, since probably back in the UFC. I haven't got hit really, really solid, connected. That's what I call it. When I, when I do sparring, when I, when I fight or when I spar, that's the word that I use. Like, the guy didn't connect on me. Like, I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to do is to keep them from connecting a shot on me. And um, <clears throat> it hasn't happened. And I keep my eyes open. I'm a skilled fighter. Um, even whenever I'm getting punched in the eye and getting cut on my eyebrow, um, I'm, I'm very aware of like what the position of my head and, and where my eyes are. So um, I don't believe that Francis Ngannou can knock me out and I believe that I can knock him out. Um, so and, and when you're talking about bare knuckle boxing, that's, that's the name of the game. It's definitely, you, you might can imagine somebody trying to move around and, and be a smaller fighter, but um, only thing I would do is with a, a fight like that is I would avoid probably trying to wrestle him, you know, and that's not really that's not really my style. <clears throat> but if you saw in the uh, the championship fight against Adams, whenever I needed to, I, I grabbed him by his head and I landed uppercuts and I, I dominated in the clinch. So I feel like I'm I'm good in the clinch, um, but uh, I'm definitely I wouldn't be trying to wrestle around Francis Ngannou. I, I would keep my arms in and, and, um, and sting him a few times and he would go down just like the rest of them. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, just a couple follow-ups here. Uh, do you still follow MMA? Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you, what did you think of like when I was watching hooker versus Puelas or when I've watched anyone fight Ryan Hall, as we preview the fight, like Ghost said, we mentioned your uh, approach to the fight because Husamar was obviously a beast with the leg locks. And right. I, I told the story, I believe it was Dean Lister that you flew in and and you buttoned up your game. And then you said, not only am I going to be ready for him, I'm going to attack him. And you could tell in the middle of the fight, it messed with Paul Harris. So we referenced your fight a lot. But I guess one yeah. of the most recent ones was uh, Hooker versus Puelas. Did you happen to catch that one? And, and what did you think of Hooker's approach? Because he looked calm and comfortable, like prepared. I didn't see that one, but I okay. do. I did, I did hear about it, and I'm, I I understand the 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 mentality and the mindset behind it, which is um, whenever you when you have the intention and the focus on something, you've already put yourself there mentally, right? And if you've put yourself there physically, you put yourself there mentally. Then that's what it takes. When once it becomes there, it's like it's like a dream, and it's like okay, it's happening. I'm right here, and I'm doing it. There's no surprise. It's a. Uh, it's all about mental clarity, and um, I think that that fighters are starting to figure it out, and, and even fans are starting to see that this is that the fight sport is much more than a than a brawl or um, you know a battle of, of will, which that has a tremendous amount to do in it to do with it. But it's it's an amount. It's about controlling your brain and your thoughts and what you're what you're thinking of. Like you can be your worst enemy in there, um, or you can be your best coach in there. So I think it's it's all about whatever you, whatever you focus on. And and some people just rise to that occasion. Maybe Hooker is like that. And I remember 
the fight. I remember still the call that I had with Joe Silva when he asked me to fight Paul Yaris. And I was um, oftentimes in my career, I wasn't motivated um, to fight some people. And I just needed something. I, I knew that it was it was all about heart to me. Like money was never the thing for me or, or even um, focusing on just getting a win to go to the next level. I needed to have something um, to kind of hang on to going into that fight that I knew that was going to light a fire. So I remember when Joe Silva asked me to fight Paul Yaris, um, it was a yes. Like, I know that's going to, that's a fight that I'm going to win because I feel fear right now. And I love that when I feel, when I feel that fear, like when I think of fighting Francis Ngannou is probably the, the only person um, out there right now that, that just seems, you know, seems kind of scary. Um, and that's a good thing because all of that fear can be focused into your technique and into your skill set and into your concentration, which is the major, the, the biggest thing with, uh, with fighting is concentration. And um, <clears throat> I feel like a, a lot of my success now is because of the amount of focus that I put into the mental um, meditate every single day, um, multiple times a day. Um, uh, meditation has been a huge, huge thing for me. I wish I would have had it in my younger days when I was fighting in the, U in the UFC. But uh, meditation allows me to control my nervous system and control my brain and to focus and concentrate on what is needed to be there. And most of the people who lose out there, they're, they're losing their fight, not because they're not as good as the other person, because they lose focus on what they need to do in the fight. And they start thinking about the bad, what the negative thing, the blood that's coming down or the takedown or the round that they just lost um, or the possibility of what could happen, the fear of losing, the fear of failure, the fear of maybe getting hit or, or whatever it is, right? And, and these thoughts in your head, they don't need to be there. They're just in the way. You need to be in a complete flow. You need to be in your comfortable, not thinking just a just a, an athlete, a martial artist, just reacting and, and delivering the, the techniques that you can in a very pure way. And the brain up here is in the thoughts. They don't need to be there. They need to be out of there. I love it. I feel like I'm talking to Spaniard from Gladiator. You kind of look like Russell Crowe <laughs> in that movie. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but he had to think, think, uh, quick a couple of times i recently watched it when that tiger was coming at him and he had to shove the the sword in him and then when he yeah. was fighting tigress of gaul with the legendary gladiator who had never lost he was getting his yeah. ass kicked and then bam he stabbed him in the foot high speed human chest quick thinking he got it done yeah. he wasn't even the biggest dude but uh <laughs> the beard man right now you look like russell crow from gladiator and as you're you can't talking, stop to think you can't yeah. stop to think yeah um all right so ben rothwell you mentioned him and ben's been on our show full transparency we know him pretty well yeah. and he had a great debut i don't think you can you know dispute that he's a pretty marketable name i think he's perfect for for bare knuckle and so he's now on social media saying hey i want to fight he wants to fight in april where does that sit with you and then also you know with us covering the sport for a long time I know he did time at Militich. I know he's got his own gym, but he's a Wisconsin guy, and you were at Rufus Sport for a few years. Did you guys know each other well, train a lot? I, I don't know. Did you um, cross paths or not? We Yeah, we trained together a few times, uh, me and me and Big Ben. Um, of course, I was a middleweight, and he was a heavyweight, so it was, it was kind of like, hey, I don't want to go with Ben. He's probably going to. He's going to hurt me or something. But yeah, we had some, we ended up had having some good uh, good sparring sessions. I don't remember too much of it, but I just always remember that Ben is is a tough guy. He's a good guy. Um, he's he he won his first one in bare knuckle. So you know, best of luck in the future to him. You know, in his next fight coming up, I think he needs another win. I'm. I'm I don't, I'm not the person to put a number on that of what it, what it is, but I mean, I, I would say a, a, um, if he continues to, to get knockouts and do well, then he's on his way to a title shot. Um, 
At this point, man, I'm just looking for challenge. I'm just looking for challenges, number one. Number two, which is a very close second, is payday. You know, so that's where I am right now. You know, I've worked hard to uh, become a heavyweight world champion. And um, that's what I'm thinking, man, is I need I need to challenge. I need uh, something that's really going to light a fire and uh, and get me on my my top game. And, and it needs to be something that is it's going to make sense, um, you know, exposure wise and financially, you know, big paydays. So I, I believe I've earned it. So, um, you know, I'm looking at big paydays from now on. Most definitely. And that was a very classy response about your former teammate. Um, yeah. Okay. So right now you're thinking uh, challenge and money. And lastly, is this a decision that ultimately is made by BKFC and David Feldman or does he lean on you? Like does, do you have input on who your next opponent might be? How, how does that work? Um, I mean, ultimately I'm the one that has to agree to it. I'm the one that has to go in there and fight. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a negotiation just like anything else. Uh, me and Feldman are, are, are talk pretty often and, and are very aligned up on where this whole thing's going. Um, so, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, it, everything has to be discussed in a, in a, uh, business way, you know, um, I'm represented by first round management, you know, so. Uh, Malky Kawa, Ricky, those guys are going to be, um, you know, handling a lot of that that type of stuff for me. But yeah, I mean, there's no telling what could happen. All I know is it's 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 exciting for the sport, and like you guys mentioned earlier, a lot of people are crossing over. It's like the Wild West is um, is upon us. So we're not quite there yet, but I think in the next year it's going to be it's going to be Wild West. There's going to be a lot of money thrown away around. There's going to be a lot of crossover fights. A lot of things happening so um, i'm just excited you know to be a part of this such a big new change you still a facebook whiz facebook yeah weren't you kind of like one of the dudes that yeah. was really really good at it and uh, early on before it really blew up like a decade yeah. ago or something? yeah yeah i mean yeah that's yeah one of the things that i've that i've done for sure um but you know just like anything else it's like it you you get out of something what you put into it. So whenever I, whenever I got in back into fighting, um, I decided to to stop everything else I was doing and put a hundred percent in this. This is not a side hobby weekend mm. type of thing. I don't think I could have won this world title without it. So every you know anything that I've you know I've been involved in a lot of a lot of different things outside of fighting. But there's there's nothing like sports to me. There's nothing like being a warrior. Um, and, um, honestly, man, I, I like this, I like this lifestyle a lot better where I actually get to use, get to use my hands. I get to use my spirit and my will just as much as I do my brain. You've gotten a lot out of it, my friend, and congrats on the win this past weekend. Uh, I, I can't say enough about that comeback story and whatever the next event may be, the next title defense obviously we will be there to cover it and um thank you so much for your time nice little rundown history lane there a little bit uh although he kind of did brush away my little facebook in, uh inquisition uh he was actually really proud of having a knack for facebook what and did that mean so good at it he was helping people with their facebook profiles when facebook had just kind of started to blow up like i mean he was like he had knowledge like like social media managers, but he kind of he smiled and he left it at that. And so I'll leave it at that. But I'm telling you, this guy had really, really gotten into it. And and uh, a lot of fighters were crediting him with helping him build Facebook pages and all that. I didn't know that about him, actually. Yeah. Um, good job in lining up that interview. And. It, you know, he really couldn't have given a classier answer regards to Ben Rothwell. Um, they have trained before, and he's willing to fight him. It just doesn't sound like it's the most appealing thing to him. But I think he needs to get a little bit away from Deontay and all those other guys. I think Fury, yeah. Wilder, and Ganu, something's going to happen with those three in boxing. And 
whenever it doesn't, I you know, I I don't know that BKFC has pockets that deep. In fact, this is my pivot to BKFC. BKFC 41 is coming up here in April, right? And so there was this announcement with UFC veterans Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendez. They're going to fight at BKFC 41. We were wondering what Alvarez's next move was going to be since he's no longer with one championship. But he's going to BKFC, and he's going to fight versus Chad Mendez. Now, on that same card, it's also been announced that Luke Rockhold and Mike Perry are going to tangle. All right, cool. I'm into it. Ben Rothwell uh, supposedly is going to be on the card as well. And uh, we don't know his opponent. April 29th, BKFC 41. But 49.95 goes. So we've praised BKFC over the years. Hey, man, you're only going to pay 499 or 799 or whatever it is, and you get all this shit for free. Cool. BKFC fist bump. Now, what David Feldman goes, hey, man, I got to pay these fighters, you know, so that's why I'm going down this road. Guess what, goes When he said it, I thought, I feel you, David. You've kind of given us a lot over the years, and you're putting together a nice little card. I'm going to give you my money, so I'm okay with that. So I guess technically maybe he could find a way for Fury and Wilder and Ganganu. I know this is a huge tie-in, but for now, I still think that that's just like way, way a big, big proper boxing match, and I don't know if BKFC is – has got that in them. But what did you think of this announcement? Well, I think those are great signings in, in Rockhold and Alvarez, right? Because Perry and uh, and Mendez were already there. Mm-hmm. But uh, And then when you add Rothwell to it, I'm down, man. I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy the product that would make me say, no, I don't want to give you my money. It's just I only have so much money to go around. Um. So, yeah, this is one where you get together with your friends probably and split it. I definitely think it'll be worth it at the end of the day because even the fights that you would look on paper and go, oh, well, these don't matter, they're still kind of fun. Um, and BKFC does a good job of promoting those fighters. So I'm in. I'm, I'm down for it. And, you know, like you said, they have, they're creative and at times can have deep pockets. So you can never count anything out with what they what they could do. Right. Very, very creative. They think outside the box. They catch us off guard all the time. So, yeah, you're right. This very well, you know, you, you can't constrain them and think, oh, you're crazy. Although I think they are. I mean, well, it's not like they said this. I think Belcher was the one that was thinking it. Um, I think Belcher versus Rothwell is definitely down the road goes. I just don't think I think what Belcher was trying to say is I'm not going to fight him in April. I mean, it is March 1st to be right. He's still out of black eye. Um, hands are probably still sore. Uh, Big Ben really wants to fight on this card, so he'll, he'll probably have to take another one. Now, to defend Belcher, and I hope this doesn't cost me a, a punch on the shoulder from Rothwell. I mean, Belcher kind of paid his dues. He, he went 4-0 before he – sorry, 3-0 before he got the title fight. Two, two of them were finishes. So in his fourth fight, he got the title fight. This would only be Big Ben's second – I would say Big Ben came in with a bigger name, so yeah, maybe maybe one fight less. So I don't think it's that unreasonable for Rothwell to have to take another one and then maybe fight for the title. Who that might be, I don't know, and hopefully the name is uh, named soon, but he will be on the April 29th card, BKFC 41. Again, Perry versus uh, Rockhold. Good for Rockhold. He said he couldn't get away from it. He said they're offering a lot of money. Perry, he's beaten Julian Lane. He's beaten Michael Venom Page. So he's earned his stripes over there. We feel like he was built for BKFC. Uh, and then we have Christine Ferreira versus Beck Rawlings. That's actually a really, really nice fight if you follow uh, BKFC. Both ladies have done very, very well over there. So I'm liking it. And yeah, it goes. If we have to, we'll split it or whatever. But how are we not going to tune in for this one? That was a big announcement. Yeah, and the fights themselves are, are pretty intriguing. I, I like the, the matchmaking on them. Yeah. Um. All right. I want to go back to UFC 285 because that's kind of like the big story, I guess. And Bo Nickel had this to say. You know, I, I, there's times goes when I love it when fighters speak something into existence and then it happens because we're always encouraging them to say stuff and not just leave it in the UFC's hands. Follow what Mick and Sean and Hunter and Dana say. They sound so robotic, and it's so uninspiring. And like, I, I, 
makes me want to forget your name, right? But then Bo Nickel goes the other way too far. He says, at some point in time, he's going to fight Hamza Shemaev at Allegiant Stadium. <laughs> at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, okay. I, yeah, this dude's a great um, wrestler, right, from Penn State, which is like the elite program in the United States, four-time All-American. and I mean, he's legit, man. I can't take that away from him. 3-0 and as an MMA fighter. He won on Contender Series, but he hasn't had a proper UFC fight yet. But all of a sudden, him and Shemaev are locking horns at Allegiant Stadium? Like, take it easy, man. Like, what, what, would you have some ayahuasca before you sat down for media day or what? Yeah, what is he, 3-0 and now, right? And he's got a, a spot, first fight on the main card. But that's still, I mean, as impressive as that is, that's still uh, a very long ways away. If you're going to have a stadium show, you're going to have to have a huge name at the top of the billing. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like that he said it. <laughs> it cracks me up that he said it. I like it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that that's going to be the fight. By the way, he didn't say, I think we'd be perfect, man, on a Connor Nate Diaz fight or on the return of Ngannou versus John. Like, he, he, he said he's going to be in the main event. And he's already envisioned it, 100,000. Man, that stadium only seats like 65,000 for one. It's not like Jerry World or SoFi or anything like that. Um, and main eventing, like, bro, like, you, you, you got to get, like, five wins before you even get to a title shot. That'll most likely be at the T-Mobile if you're popping, which would make you 8-0. Hell, Alex Pajeda just pulled it off. So I'm not going to, like, discount that. But, um where will Hamzad be at that point? And, you know, will this be the main event? Like, I don't know. Like, it was it was a lot to take in. It was kind of uh, very wishful thinking on his part, but it was fun. <laughs> and Valentina and Alexa are starting to get a little chippy. Like, there's respect there. Don't get me wrong. But um, I don't know. I think Valentina wants to put on a show, A, because – the Santos fight was close, and many are saying, I scored it for Santos. They should be running it back. You know, things like that. Um, and then, obviously, Mexico gets a lot of love, man. You know, it's our neighboring country. There's a lot of fans that love Mexican athletes. And we got a proper champion in Brandon Marino. We have a, a interim champion in Yair Rodriguez. They want to have a big big show down in in Mexico. Um, so, I, I don't know. Even Chael Sonnen wasn't too nice. He was on the MMA Hour, and he was – not really feeling Valentina Shashenko. He says she should go heel. But what do you think, man? You think all this is maybe getting back to Valentina and she's going light to this, light this chick up? I think a little bit, but you have to remember uh, Alexa Grasso told us everything we needed to know at the end of her last fight. She said she needed one more fight. She didn't get one more fight. She got this fight. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just not the mindset to really have going into this type of fight. I think you're right. I think Valentina is probably hearing some of the things that people are saying. And it's really, like, it sounds a lot worse than it does. Um, when we say maybe perhaps she's slowing down a little bit, dude, it's like it's like saying um, you're going from an A-plus to just being an A, right? Like, she's still a freaking badass. And I think she's out to prove that. Yeah. And just because she had a close fight, it doesn't mean she she sucks. It could mean she was just on a different level from everyone else, you know, that ever fought her at flyweight. By the way, this will be her eighth title defense if she's successful. She broke the record for most title defenses, but I want to clear that up. She has seven title defenses of her flyweight title. Those are already in her back pocket. This would be the eighth if she can get past Grasso. I know a lot of you are going, but wait a minute. Um, Amanda Nunez has seven. She does, but five are at Bantamweight and two are at Featherweight. So mm -hmm. she's got the most title defenses of a particular title, which is the flyweight title. And the record she broke was Ronda Rousey, who had six title defenses of her Bantamweight title. So Nunez doesn't even have more Bantamweight title defenses than, than uh, homegirl, than, than Ronda Rousey. She's still trailing her one, but her and Valentina are even. And by the way, in case you're wondering, is that the most in all of MMA? No. 
Chris Cyborg has 11 title defenses. I think there's two in the UFC, four at Bellator, three at Strikeforce, and three at, at or two in Invictus, something like that. But um, either way, she's most title defenses in for women in the UFC in a particular weight class is Valentina Shoshenko. So very historical what we're watching. Of course, we know Valentina's lost two times to Amanda Nunes, and that's why we stopped short of calling her the GOAT. She's got to probably win one against Nunes if she ever wants to rewrite that or hope that Pena beats Nunes, which she did, but she didn't beat her the second time because then she could say, well, I beat the one that beat you. It gets all tricky. I don't know. I'm into that stuff. I geek out at that stuff. Um, But either way, we expect a big card on Saturday. And final reminder, Gels and I will be hosting a watch-along here on MMA Junkie. It starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, four prelim fights, and then five fights on the main card. For those of you that choose not to pay the 80 bucks for the pay-per-view, just like Go said, hey, sometimes it's just not in the budget. We get it. There's going to be another pay-per-view in two weeks on March 18th. So some of you can maybe only do one per per month. WrestleMania is around the corner. Uh, Jake Paul just yanked 50 bucks out of everyone's pocket recently. It's a lot. It really, really does pile up. And that's the beauty of the watch along is we'll be there to watch along with you all and tell you exactly what's happening in real time. We'll be back here in our studio in the house. And a big shout out to our colleague, Farah Hanoon. She'll be hosting the preview show at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Um, one final thing. Do not forget, Goes and I, Spinning Back Click, every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Check it out. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. And if you want to be alerted to when we're live or when anything is live on MMA Junkie, you got to hit that little, uh, little button there that signifies the notification. And so it's kind of like two steps, subscribe and then hit the notification. And that way you'll know when we're live on Mondays or or set an alarm. Jesus, you know, these phones are so amazing nowadays. You can kind of set an alarm for 1150 a.m. every Monday and and just write SBC. All right, folks. Um, Big thanks to Alan Belcher and big big thanks to you guys, as always, for your support. We're going to get on out of here. We'll see you all on Saturday. In the meantime, as always, go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.